And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 289, David's Last Speech. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. Let us speak again of Abigail Adams. As we have mentioned, during the Revolutionary War, her husband John journeyed to France, representing the Continental Congress, and their brilliant young son, John Quincy, went along with him. After they returned and the elder Adams prepared for another trip to Europe, the young John Quincy asserted that he would prefer to stay home, to work on his studies in a state of lesser danger. But his mother instructed the gifted young man to journey back to Europe with his father, and in a letter, she explained why. Quote, My dear son, I hope you have had no occasion, either from enemies or the danger of the sea, to repent your second voyage to France. If I had thought your reluctance arose from proper deliberation, or that you was capable of judging what was most for your own benefit, I should not have urged you to have accompanied your father and brother when you appeared so averse to the voyage. You, however, readily submitted to my advice, and I hope you will never have occasion yourself, nor give me reason to lament it. Your knowledge of the language must give you greater advantages now than you could possibly have reaped whilst ignorant of it and as you increase in years, you will find your understanding opening and daily improving. Some author that I have met with compares a judicious traveler to a river that increases its stream the farther it flows from its source, or to certain springs which, running through rich veins of minerals, improve their qualities as they pass along. It will be expected of you, my son, that as you are favored with superior advantages under the instructive eye of a tender parent, that your improvements should bear some proportion to your advantages. Nothing is wanting with you, but attention, diligence, and steady application. Nature has not been deficient. End quote. Abigail Adams then added that while John Quincy did indeed have great gifts intellectually, it was the ongoing crisis of the revolution experienced alongside his father that would truly bring out aspects of character that were central to leadership. She wrote, quote, These are times in which a genius would wish to live. It is not in the still calm of life or the repose of a pacific station that great characters are formed. Would Cicero have shown so distinguished an orator if he had not been roused, kindled, and inflamed by the tyranny of Catiline, Milo, Verres, and Mark Anthony? The habits of a vigorous mind are formed in contending with difficulties. All history will convince you of this, and that wisdom and penetration are the fruits of experience, not the lessons of retirement and leisure, end quote. We bear this fascinating letter in mind as we read in Chronicles about another parent and young child of a leading family. As a man who rose to greatness in a period of crisis, gives over the mantle of leadership to a boy associated with a period of peace. This, in turn, will allow us to further reflect on the legacy of Israel's greatest king. Chapter 22 of First Chronicles describes David preparing Solomon for what is to come. Verse 5, And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, a fame and of glory throughout all countries. I will therefore now make preparation for it. So David prepared abundantly before his death. Then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, As for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house unto my name, because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee, who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies round about for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. 
He shall build a house for my name, and he shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. As we have seen, David is not allowed to build the temple because of the battles he fought. We suggested previously that the concern expressed is that the sacred building not be seen as a celebration of his military might. This is why the temple, as God says, will be created by Solomon, whose name Shlomo is linked to Shalom, peace. Unlike David's life, Solomon's will not be marked by constant threats, by the battles against the enemies of Israel. Solomon's reign will be marked by peace. And yet, and yet, for all the promises of the period of Solomon, and for all the incredible achievements of Solomon, the temple most among them, we know that he will not reach David's level of leadership, that his reign will end with a divine decree dividing the monarchy. David led in a time of great danger, and we know that some of the greatest leaders in Jewish history have emerged in moments of terrible crisis, be it political, national, religious, or social crisis. And interestingly, Abigail Adams, in her own letter to John Quincy, went on to reflect on how heroes emerge in moments of crisis. Quote, Great necessities call out great virtues. When a mind is raised and animated by scenes that engage the heart, then those qualities which would otherwise lay dormant wake into life and form the character of the hero and the statesman. War, tyranny, and desolation are the scourges of the Almighty and ought no doubt to be deprecated. Yet it is your lot, my son, to be an eyewitness of these calamities in your own native land and at the same time to owe your existence among a people who have made a glorious defense of their invaded liberties and who, aided by a generous and powerful ally with the blessing of heaven, will transmit this inheritance to ages yet unborn. End quote. Abigail Adams's reflections are relevant to our biblical discussion. War, she reflects, ought not to be celebrated. And yet, it is often in moments of war and danger that greatness emerges. David is not allowed to build the temple, lest it be seen as a celebration of his wars. But we also know that it was in moments of Israel's great crises, beginning with the battle against Goliath, that David's greatness showed itself. Abigail Adams then went on in her letter to describe how important the senior John Adams, a statesman contending with crisis, would ultimately be to teaching John Quincy. She wrote, quote, Nor ought it to be one of the least of your excitements toward exerting every power and faculty of your mind that you have a parent who has taken so large and active a share in this contest and discharged the trust reposed in him with so much satisfaction as to be honored with the important embassy which at present calls him abroad, end quote. With this, we can now return to Chronicles, where, standing before Israel, David, who himself, as we have said, reflected his greatness in periods of crisis and war, now bestows upon his young son the entire blueprint of the temple and morally and spiritually instructs him for what is yet to come. Chapter 28, verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. David then, as part of what is his final public speech recorded in the Bible, addresses the people regarding his son and regarding God's relationship with all of Israel, thereby highlighting with his words at the end of his reign why he was chosen by God at its very beginning. Chapter 29, verse 9. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel our Father, forever and ever. 
Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. So David said, and to this day these words of David, uttered in the presence of Solomon and all Israel, beginning with, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. These words are a central part of the daily liturgy. They capture what made David eternally memorable, that despite all his glory and his victories, he ascribed all his achievements to God, that he saw the temple that would crown Jerusalem as a testament to that fact, and that he sought to communicate this to his son before he left this world. Abigail Adams also saw religious pedagogy as linked to parenting. When we studied Samuel, we described her remarkable early letter to John Quincy when he first sailed to France. Now, as we study Chronicles, we cite the conclusion of the letter she wrote as he engaged on his second trip to Europe. Quote, I cannot fulfill the whole of my duty towards you if I close this letter without reminding you of a failing which calls for a strict attention and watchful care to correct. You must do it for yourself. You must curb that impetuosity of temper for which I have frequently chide you, but which properly directed may be productive of great good. I know you capable of these exertions. With pleasure I observe my advice was not lost upon you. If you indulge yourself in the practice of any foible or vice in youth, it will gain strength with your years and become your conqueror. The strict and inviolable regard you have ever paid to truth gives me pleasing hopes that you will not swear from her dictates, but add justice, fortitude, and every manly virtue which can adorn a good citizen to honor to your country and render your parents supremely happy, particularly your ever-affectionate mother. End quote. Following David's speech to the people of Israel and his moral instructions to his son, Chronicles describes David's death, verse 28. And he died in good old age, full of days, riches, and honor. And Solomon his son reigned in his stead. Now the acts of David the king, first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, and in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the book of God the seer, with all his reign and his might, and the times that went over him and over Israel and over all the kingdoms of the countries. This last verse is, I think, meant to parallel the final verse in Deuteronomy describing Moses, and in all that mighty hand and in all the great awe which Moses showed in the sight of all Israel. Great necessities, Abigail Adams wrote, call out great virtues. Moses emerged in the crucible of Egyptian slavery, David in the crucible of the battle against Goliath. Each one of these leaders were, of course, elected by the Almighty, but each could have chosen differently than they did at different moments in their lifetimes. Moses could have chosen to stay in the palace of Pharaoh, but he did the opposite embracing his brethren. David could have turned his massive military victories into a cult of adoration toward himself, but he did the opposite, ascribing all glory to God. We turn now from David to his dynasty, aware again of what marked this monarch's uniqueness and grateful for the virtues that emerged when they were needed most. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.